Alright, so I'm Matthew and welcome to the meditation workshop on the culture of kindness. So we talked about how the painting fell at your house. We talked about how I took down the art painting in my house and we talked about the Green Beret who got up and ran, right? So all of it had the same thing of letting go. So letting go of anything where we're not being kind to ourselves is crucial in order for us to expand, evolve, allow, accept, and move forward. Within the group, when we take the time to be silent or to focus on something we want to resolve, that's a form of creating culture for yourself that's kind because you take the time to allow. Like when somebody wants something and you take the time to listen to them, which doesn't happen as often probably as it should, when you're fully present, that's kindness to that person. That's the culture of how you choose to interact with people. So that also has to happen internally, which means you have to stop. And sometimes stopping is the hardest thing anybody will ever do, right? It's like it's easy to go fast, it's hard to go slow. But if you go slow, you can certainly go fast, but because you go fast doesn't mean you can go slow. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So you can dial your speed however you want, but let's choose the hardest. And a great example of that is if we all lined up on one side of the room and we took our time to make it to the other side, it would be very difficult for you to win the game of going the slowest because something's going to kick in and <laughs> you're going to go faster. But to go very slow also controls, causes you to have control, right? And that also plays into the control of allowing yourself to stop and be still. So now, you know, like Lisa said, a lot of times meditation is so broad and nebulous to most people that it can afford a lot of tools that you can get out of it if you know what you're doing in the exercise. It can afford relaxation, which I think all people can use. A lot of people will get tired when they do that because they're overworked. Fortunately, I don't think that was the case here, right? Um, <clears throat> and I'm sure we're all overworked too. However, uh, when we talk about FOMO as one thing, that we experience not dealing with. When you relax into yourself, if you can name three things, because you meditate regularly, that are super beneficial for a person who's trying to learn and figure it out, what would you say those are? During the meditation or the products of meditating? Both. So, um, during the meditation is just for me, it's taking that time out of the busy life and it's being kind to myself, as you said, so it's something I do for myself. And then as far as, for me, meditation is really about awareness of my thoughts and awareness so that when I open my eyes throughout the rest of my day, that same level of awareness and kindness and calm can be in my interactions with my husband, with my children, with people out there. So I really have found, I mean, I've been meditating for quite some time now, that that is the ultimate, um, what I do in that space and with you guys, if I can take that and play it forward throughout my whole day with that level of energy and that level of awareness, then, um, my relationships change, my life changes, and I just feel amazing. So let's talk about the culture of kindness outside of the state of meditation. With the understanding that the idea of doing a regular exercise is to 
bring yourself into a constant state of meditation, which is just a constant state of awareness, right? Like you're either aware of things or you're not. And there's a lot to be aware of. So I saw something yesterday and I'm going to make this my example. And I thought it was the most beautiful thing. And it's the world I want to live in. So this was in Thailand and this was in a police station. And this older man came in with a knife and was in that station and held out this knife to the cop. Now this cop was like three times the size of this guy, right? So the cop did something special. Instead of puffing up or getting aggressive, he did the opposite. He actually walked and sat on his desk and talked to the man and asked the man if he would give him his knife. And the man actually gave him his knife. And then he asked him to sit down. And then another cop came around and brought him a glass of water. I mean, I don't think it gets more kind than that because it's the culture of if somebody's aggressing on another person, they're in pain, they're suffering, they have issues, they don't know how to solve them, they don't know how to express them or communicate them, so they are going to outwardly project that onto other people. And so if those people have that level of awareness, that level of stability and confidence, they can then help talk them off the ledge, so to speak. And that's what happened. And it doesn't matter if it's with a physical object or a life-threatening situation, or if it's over paperwork in an office, or if it's over who gets the last you know, bite of that food at the dinner table, or anything on any level that would cause conflict between two people, that opportunity exists. And so our awareness is people who are taking the high road, if you will, having more bandwidth for reasoning, or just the heartfelt desire to want to deal with something that's going to help other people in a better way, you become the leader of that culture. And right now in history, we need more leaders in many areas, and especially in the culture of kindness, than we have ever needed, period. And so that's my example that I saw that I thought was wonderful. And I was like, wow, like, that's my brother. You know what I mean? And that's my brother that brought that knife in. And that's my brother that brought the water too, you know? Like, that was real to me. And so that's my example of a culture of kindness. So has anybody in the last year have an example of having seen something like that or done something that would be kind and create a culture for other people to learn from? Because really that guy taught that whole office something that day, you know? This is why it's so important to talk about this because it's so absent. So for me, I'll just, because this is present, um, I mentioned this right before we started, is um, I went and we moved Lily in and I had to spend this time with my ex-husband and usually I'm not kind and he's not kind and it's not very nice. However, um, Lily had requested and really wanted the shift and so I've been working on it before the event so that I prepared and I had awareness and so I knew to stay in the space of kindness with boundaries. So doesn't mean that having an open heart, you don't have boundaries. It just is being kind, having boundaries, and having an open heart. And it was beautiful. 
And um, the more kind I was and the more open but stern and kept my space, it was reciprocated, not only from my ex-husband but from my daughter. And so there was um, this level of just being kind. And then it showed with other people, like, you know, there was kindness with the waitress there was kindness of moving in the dorm some extra man came and helped us with a huge cart and got everything together and so it sort of radiated out into our environment so it's beautiful beautiful so that was a, to me what i heard was you were kind to yourself and deciding what was required and then that created the culture that supported that to perpetuate mm -hmm. so thank you for that um, does anybody else have an example of kindness? Or even better, where did you experience something where in review you could see it happening differently to create that culture so we can have some examples of how to do it? I've experienced a lot of kindness this past year um, because I haven't been I'm functional now, but I wasn't. Um, uh, months ago and um, I've experienced a lot of kindness for my family that's my sister and she um, got me a session with Matthew uh, yesterday and my my parents um, everybody's just good really supportive it's been nice Thank you. Tick the box. <laughs> okay. So what does kindness mean to you guys? I think let's start with that. Let's go let's go this way with you, Kasha. Just what it means, not what it doesn't mean. I did that on I did that on purpose, my dear. <laughs> Okay, um, well, <clears throat> for me, personally, I treat people the way I want to be treated. It doesn't matter. So what is kindness? What, what is kindness in that treating <sighs> look like? What is kindness? When they come at you, you know, angry and everything, you just, you give them a total opposite of what they expect. And it changes them like that. And I've done that. Somebody com comes at me yelling and, and everything, and I just, you know, thank you for that. Thank you for expressing, and they just don't expect that from me. They expect, you know, when somebody comes at you in an angry way or says something unkind, they don't expect somebody that's, that, that's directed at to reciprocate in a different way. How do you do it? What's the difference that you do that's kind? myself. I don't know how to explain. <clears throat> I change the the vibe, I guess, and they pick it up. I don't know. How, I've been doing that my whole life, so I don't know. I don't know how it's different to other people, but with me, it's it's worked with everybody. Good. I was just trying to get you to share your trade secrets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good enough. For me, it's uh, the absence of the instilled hatred 
of, uh, I guess, the way I was and I, maybe some other people were raised. You know, I was, I was brought up to hate everything. You know, if it wasn't exactly what we were in at the time, we hated everything. You know, we hated just hate everything. And for me, that's just getting, it took me forever to get away from that, to even really like myself, you know? You know, the things I was told about myself. But uh, I guess that's the only thing I could think of. Thank you, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. That was really beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Um, I guess for me, kindness is just um, being in a place of love, you know, towards myself and other people and gentleness um, and kind of taking when something, you know, cuts sharply, just taking a breath, coming back. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's just uh, being uh, like a real person. <laughs> Not being your ugly, but um, but if somebody, if, 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 if I get bad vibes, I just kind of don't allow it. I just say that's not got anything to do with me, and then I just don't react to it. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I do. So it kind of changes things. Kindness is sharing love and seeing people in their pain and not embracing it and just being there and letting them be who they are and not trying to change them, just accepting who they are and where they are and loving them through it. I think kindness is kind of equivalent to like awareness. Like it, I think that it's really easy to be unkind if you're not aware of like, you know, like mm -hmm. kind of things mirror mm -hmm. to you. So if you find yourself being unkind, you're being, you're, something's mirroring something to you that you're unaware of. But if you take the time to become aware and like intentional, I think it's a lot. I think that's when you're able to be kind. Mm -hmm. uh, I think of kindness is uh, no matter what, uh, always wanting to help people and uh, spread positivity, uh, even if they don't deserve it or if, even if it doesn't, I don't know, you have that human instinct, kind of what you were saying growing up, that natural part of, oh, someone's going to try to fight me, I'm going to fight back, but uh, overcoming that and uh, no matter what, uh, always trying to see the good in people and help and to share positivity with them. So along those lines, encouragement. You know, all any one person needs is one person to believe in them. And after that, they can do anything. Just one validation. Just one kind word. Just one encouragement. 
And I think if we can do anything, we can encourage each other in whichever direction would afford that person, given that they're open to it, something better for themselves. So, I'd like to add something. Um, I think it's easy a lot of times to be kind to the strangers or the homeless person you see on the street. And it's a lot harder to be kind to the people you live with or your parents or whoever. Um, because like you said, the mirror, right? And then along those lines is a lot of times, you know, what, what Hannah said, you know, seeing where they're at. But in that, I used to always say, oh, well, they're just in this space and sort of, I was still blaming them in a way. But really, like, looking at it as taking responsibility, like, what am I bringing to the table that's causing this unkindness between us or causing me to feel that? Where's my responsibility in this? And really taking it to that next level, deeper, because in that, then, when you own your own stuff and you take responsibility and you can say, well, that's just a pattern. I'm not going to judge myself. I still love myself. And I have the ability to change that. And then when you change it inside, like you said the people around you shift and then you can see it on a different level. That was epic. That was really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Who here doesn't have a problem with one of the members of their nuclear family? Raise your hand. <laughs> For the record, no one has raised their hand. <laughs> so I think that's the real work, right? Like, so we leave our families when we go to you know college or get our first job or whatever aspect gets you out of the house. Maybe you're 14, you're gone. Like anything, you're gone, right? So that's the version of the training for the monk, you know, to go to the mountain and to go out into the world and try to figure out. It's the opposite of the monk goes and studies alone and then comes back into the city to figure out. This is the, the example that overlays with the family, the nuclear family. And then you're out of there. Maybe you find your wife or your husband or you're in another type of relationship and all of a sudden you're starting to get all of these things that you didn't get in your nuclear family and you're starting to feel good. But then you've got to take that person back into your nuclear family. And then there's that oh shit moment. Or you get into that situation where they start to do or say the things that they used to do and you're like, oh my God, my partner's exposed to this and like, how are we going to handle this? And all these triggers come up. So to what you said, Lisa, like that's it. Like that's the culture of kindness that has to be revisited in the nucleus for the whole to really be whole. Because... When a parent's dying or about to die and there's resentments or there's unresolved stuff and the avoidance factor is one way people choose to handle it, just because they die doesn't mean the issue dies. The issue lives on through us, right? Through that lineage, the line. And so that culture of kindness has to be addressed and pursued within the context of mom, dad, and siblings, cousins and otherwise. And that can look at a lot of different ways, right? So let's use the example of I want my, let's just say my dad to be different or give me things that I didn't get from my dad or my mom. I want her to be different or give me things she didn't give me growing up, right? So we seek that in our partners indirectly, even through if the woman can play the father's role in some of the things that she will provide and vice versa with the, you know, both directions, right? It doesn't matter. 
But what always ends up happening is that internally we have to become our own mother and father to fill the holes for the things we didn't get from our biological or adopted step parent, whatever, whoever is out there. There's a lot of conversions of mothers and fathers and, and dads and all that jazz. So, you know, when pe- you brought up something that is very true, like people aggress, right? Mm-hmm. So one of my teachers always talks about the water. You know, you if you have dirty water in a glass and you keep taking some out but putting clean water in, it's still dirty, right? So when people aggress on us, like if we use the analogy of the water being our brain or our filtering for all that stuff inside that doesn't feel good, the aggression is their attempt to throw the water out of the glass. Does that make sense? So when the water comes out of the glass as words or physical or objects or whatever, it doesn't mean we need to stand there and let it like hit us or absorb into us. It just means that, you know, we're either going to pick it up and throw it right back at them or we're going to allow for it to fall and hold a space that has to come from inside. So if that cultivated, this is where we go back to the meditation. So if the meditation has not fortified a space inside so that no matter what's thrown at you, you're still whole, you is much harder to then in turn not aggress back or throw it back or take some of your shit out and throw it at them. You know, I'd be like, I can't pick that up, so I'm going to use mine. It, so it's about being the witness or the observer of your own. That's what meditation helps provide, that you can, in those moments, really observe and not... So I haven't mastered it by any means. I'm still a work in progress. But really just sit back and witness and observe what's going on, what... If you would want to react, what that would look like, what it would look like to be kind, what it would look like to run away. And so in that quick second, you can observe all these scenarios in your mind. And every single time, what I find is the right way is to be kind and to still be present, not take it on, not aggress back, not run away. Those are usually the sort of the three scenarios. Um, So that's what... I feel meditation is bringing that level of awareness so that in those moments you have that awareness to, to um, choose because we all have the ability to choose. We're powerful. We can choose the way we want to be. And in choosing for ourselves, we create our, our environment. You know, to that point, I remember hearing this when I was a kid. You probably heard this before about Think fast, but speak slow. And the reason for that is, is that if you speak slow and you're thinking fast, you can choose what needs to come out instead of being something that's going to be damaging, right? If you can create what that silence just now was amongst your family and friends, then you know what peace is. Because everybody can stop and relax for a second. 
You ever been with somebody where you're there for a while and you don't realize it, but you're not talking? That's God's presence. Or when you look at a kid, especially if it's yours, and all of a sudden you see that and you start crying because that's God. You know, it's deep. <clears throat> How many people here know what your father needs if your father's still alive? And if it's not, if your father's not still with us, then some other male in your life, do you know what they need? A need that hasn't been met yet. And then you can apply the same question to your mother or a sibling. Because the true culture of kindness at its roots, of which you were covered in earlier, has to do with knowing what the people you love in your life need. And only then does the meaning of life become true. And if you think about it, we're always constantly fulfilling our own needs. And so that outside of our self approach to figuring out what other people need is everything. I'm just curious like what your approach is if you don't know what someone needs. And you've like thought about it a lot, but not a lot comes to mind. You know, the first thing that came to mind to me, I think that a lot of people, if they knew what they needed, they would do it for themselves. You would like to hope. So if I didn't know what somebody needed, I might propose the question because the question itself, just like the answer, once a decision is made, the universe just opens all these doors and roads for that to happen, right? So the question itself is equally as important. So I might say to that person, do you know what you need, if anything, in life? Just so that their subconscious can start to promote that surfacing. So, like, we're not going to go travel across the water without a boat, right? Assuming we're not flying. And assuming when I get to the other side, that's like, you know, 100 miles. So, we have no scuba gear and all that. So, we need a boat. So, the vehicle for our answers in the ocean of knowledge is the body. Meaning that everything's already stored there. It's already the perfect conduit for us to receive that knowledge should we be able to connect to it. And so by asking a question, within the boat, there's a tool in there that they need in the body, except for it's translated as information, as knowledge. And so we have to ask, because then the crew, who is all the things inside of us, is going to go look at until they find something that can help them be brought to the deck and presented. And our needs change. And so once one needs met, as we grow, we may have other needs. And so that's a constant until we're self-sufficient. And the only thing that we do is service, you know, as long as we can eat, maybe we need less sleep, you know, these basic needs, not these extravagant needs that we live in. And from that place, we're resolved because we're living thoroughly through the heart and that heart's True nature is to serve. You know, back in the 1800s and 1900s, I told my son this the other day, I saw that uh, they had self-parking cars 
and the 30s. They had a tire on the back of the, of the car, those old buggies, right? So you would go diagonally into where you wanted to park, and that tire would drop down, lifting the back wheels, and it would rotate, and it would push the car into the parking spot. All of the things that we've ever needed have already existed. And so recreating the wheel is basically all that really is. <clears throat> we don't actually do anything other than find things because everything's already out there. And so it's the same principle of the need that what's needed is already there. It just has to be asked to start the process. Tom Brown was the first person I heard that from. He says, you know, made a big deal about the question. You know, all you got to do is ask the question. And the process begins. That's where the whole there's no stupid question thing comes from. So you've got to ask the questions no matter what. And so I learned that from a young age. So I encourage you to ask the questions of yourself for what you need. And I'm going to ask myself now, Matthew, what do you need right now? And there's an energy to that. There's actually just like the energy change in this room as we were sitting silent and everybody having their process and then the calibrations were happening. Right? When you really get in tune with your energy and you really get in tune in an awareness state, a simple question like that, environmentally, internally, will change how you feel. And it's those subtleties to pay attention to that really serve. And all that comes from cultivating yourself in whichever ways work for you. So. Knowledge and learning anything new in any area of life is always about information overload. We're not going to process it right away, but the repetition of introduction to it, the repetition of reading of it, the repetition of practicing of it, all these things collectively, eventually it's like trying to shove this, like, you know, skyscraper sized amount of knowledge into this little brain of ours. But it can happen. It just takes a little bit of time. And so staying consistent with it allows it. And then all of a sudden, that knowledge then seeps through the body and, and becomes your second nature. And then all of a sudden, you're capable of doing all these things that were so difficult to even comprehend in the beginning. And it all begins with the question, the practice, the heart, and so forth and so on. Thank y'all for coming, for helping spread the word of good stuff. And um, hopefully we can all create another level of culture of kindness in our families, first and foremost, and ourselves. More importantly, as a starter to that being reality. And um, just everywhere, man, because the world needs it. So, I will. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't do anything. <laughs>